0: Welcome to the River Bluff Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy the sermon from Lead Pastor Joe Still. And for more information about us, please visit riverbluff.org. Love on each other. Um, just right now during this COVID nineteen stuff, just be careful how you love on each other. Um, uh, you know, we're we're uh, we, we, we're made some changes around here. I don't know if you saw some of our our. our medical team, they're usually just kind of in the background um, blending in in case there's an emergency and they need to step up, but some of them are running around. You, you, You may see them with one of these on. A rubber glove and a box of, is it a box or a pack or whatever this is, of sanitizing wipes, you know, these are different than the props I had last week aren't they? You know, I got sent lots of pictures of donuts this week. And I was called on the carpet more than once by some of you about the cruel and unusual punishment of eating a Krispy Kreme hot now right in front of you. And, you know, so I guess I, I need to ask for forgiveness of that. Um, and I'm not swearing I won't ever do it again, but uh, the, uh, we, we had some fun with that last week. I, I pray that what you remember more than that, though, is that Jesus wants to sit down in your life. He just wants to sit down in you and have a place in you. And, you know, we're, 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 we are doing some things, and so those people you see running around maybe with a rubber glove on, wiping surfaces down, um, they're, uh, they're just trying to love you, care for you. We're, we're, we're doing things a little different because uh, health officials have told us it would be wise and prudent to, to love each other this way, is to, to take care of some things differently. So today, um, for instance, we're not going to pass an offering plate where everybody's touching it and handing it off to somebody else. What we're going to do is we're going to have baskets out on your way out. You can drop your offering in. Drop your prayer cards in. Um, if you don't know about our prayer cards, they're connection cards and the seat back's in front of you and you can just pull one out and write on there your prayer request. Our prayer team loves to pray. Our staff, our elders love to pray for those requests as they come in. So feel free to drop those in the basket on the way out. Uh, you notice we didn't have an usher shaking your hand and handing you your bulletin. We, we just changed that up a little bit just just some changes that we're making uh, i'm i am a hugger and if i go to hug you stop me you know um, because i you know if you hug several people you may be okay but there's no telling what you got from somebody else who doesn't know they got something so just, just as a way of loving and protecting and caring for each other, we're just changing things up a little bit um, until this, this stuff kind of passes. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I'm just out of love. And so I hope you receive it that way. We're not, we're not going to panic. You know, here, I, I read a column that uh, Dr. Rayner wrote uh, that talked about churches responding to COVID. And what he said was, Pray. How many of you, when a hurricane has been approaching Charleston in days past, have prayed, asking God to drive that thing out to sea? How many of you have seen those things turn and skirt back out to sea? Um, pray that God would just push this virus out. God, God can do that. So, so seek Him in this. Just go to the Lord in prayer, asking, asking Him to drive this, this away. Uh, God, God hears the, the, the prayers of His children. Are you ready for some good news? Some good news? Okay, here's some good news. We have been involved, uh, God, God blessed us with an opportunity, our church to go into Ecuador uh, and begin partnering with the church um, in, in Ecuador. And uh, Dave Hardin told me, I think Thursday or Friday, I don't remember which day that he let me know this, but, um, or maybe yesterday. It was yesterday, it was yesterday. You know, yesterday was Thursday or Friday in my brain. Um, that uh, something incredible happened. Now this church is just a recent plant. Some of you know that we are supporting that work. Um, We're basically renting the building that they're meeting in. Yesterday they baptized their first two converts. Praise God. Isn't Isn't that great news? Just some really good stuff that, that God is doing and the, your support financially, your support by going, your support by praying is making a difference um, around the world. God, God is doing some great things and uh, just, just, just pray and thank him for that. Um, I found out something, uh, Jake if I, if I get this wrong you correct me. Um, but Pastor Kurt ran into a guy I went to college with named James Way who was pastoring a church in Dorchester County called Old St. George Baptist Church. And uh, I called you Jake and I did not mean to do that. Do what? You all caught it. Well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And now I, have got, got a, I can't get Jake out of my head now. Ben, God bless you. I'm going to go start over. OK, this coronavirus no. Um, ben, James Way told, told Pastor Kurt this week, or yesterday, that um, uh, he heard that one of someone from Riverbuff was coming to be a part of a revival team from CSU and so students from CSU who are preparing for ministry are part of these revival teams and I think you're leading off Monday night um, for uh, for revival that's launching at at old St. George Baptist Church so we want to be in prayer uh, for that for Ben and for for that team God's doing good things God wants to do good things there and so just just exciting things that God is doing those are just just you know some of those just just good news that that God is doing I, I also hope that you will take it as good news that we're starting a new series today. After a year and a half, we got through, God bless you, we got through um, Ephesians. Uh, and uh, so we, we, we put Ephesians down last week. It um, was our last service and uh, we ended it on a, a, a sweet and sugary note. So I hope you will always think of Ephesians as you know, just leaving something sweet sweet in, in your mouth. But We're starting a new series that we've entitled Jesus Determined. And it comes from uh, a passage out of Luke chapter 9, verse 51. And in Luke chapter 9, verse 51, there was this catalytic moment in the life and, and teaching of Jesus. Um, and the Bible tells us that in that moment, he determined to go to Jerusalem. Now, some translations will tell you he resolutely decided. Some translations will tell you that he set his face. But what what that means is this, Jesus, because he knew his ascension was not far away, Jesus headed to Jerusalem. And here's what that means. Jesus was heading to the cross. He was heading to that place of victory over sin in your life. You know, Dave reminded us in our management team this week that, that there is victory in the cross. Sometimes we only think it's in the resurrection, but there's victory in the cross. There's, there's also power and victory in the resurrection of Jesus and so between now and resurrection Sunday what we're going to do is we're going to be looking at accounts and teachings from Jesus' life between this Luke 9:51 51 moment where he set his face to start heading to Jerusalem because there's a lot that took place now I, I know some people you read that and you think so he's, he's going to die to, He's no it's going to be a while before he ends up on the cross there's a lot more he still had to do but he is on his way. And I believe does some incredible things that he, is, he wants you to know. He wanted his disciples to know. He wanted his followers to know that he is determined to do. He was determined to go to the cross to win a great victory. He was determined to rise conquering death to win a great victory and a promise of hope for us who follow him. But he also said that he was determined to do some other things. So I hope you'll be here each week for, for the series as we look to see what some things Jesus had, had, had determined to do. You know, one of the things he was determined to do was to pay for your sins and my sins. Uh, 1 John 2 tells us, not just ours, but for the whole world. Jesus is determined. And he's determined to do something in your life. Now, today we're going to look at an event between that Luke 9:51 passage and uh, his his uh, crucifixion and resurrection resurrection Sunday. We're going to look at an event um, in John 11. Uh, my wife Kathy came and read the scripture to you. It's Best reading. Have you ever heard John 11 read better than that? I mean, come on, man. That was some good read. She, read from John 11. We're going to look at John 11. I'm not going to go back and read that or, or read the whole chapter to you. We're going to be in most of uh, that, that chapter. I would encourage you later on today. Go back and let it just refresh and wash over you. Spend, spend some time uh, in, in John 11 today. And here's what I'm hoping you walk out of here with. I hope you walk out of here confidently knowing that Jesus wants to raise up something that may feel dead in you. Jesus wants to raise up something that may feel dead in you. Maybe some, some dead, dead space in you. Now, one of the things that, Jesus, that, that Kathy read a moment ago and we're going to see is, Jesus was good friends. The Bible says that Jesus was a close friend with Lazarus. Kathy and I have... and we still are, we're binge-watching Golden Girls. (laughs) If you know the song singing, thank you for being a friend. (laughs) Travel down the, never mind. It's the story of these, these three older women who find each other and room together and do life together. And, and they're friends. And they, they weep together. They laugh together. They, they party together. They do some really stupid things. I'm not recommending the series, by the way. Um, do some dumb things together. Um, but, but, but they're together. They're friends. There's a song in my mind that kind of describes what it means to be friends. Mary and Martha and Lazarus, Jesus, they were friends. They were connected deeply. They were, they were close friends. This is the Mary, Kathy Red, this is the Mary that washed Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. Can I tell you something? You wash my feet, we're friends. <laughs> we, get, we get to that stage where you wash my feet, we're friends. Okay? They were, they were these close friends. They loved Jesus, and Jesus Jesus loved them. And they had seen Jesus do incredible things to heal. They, they had seen Jesus, you know, do incredible things. So when, when Lazarus got sick, they weren't panicked, they weren't afraid. They just sent a messenger, and that messenger went to Jesus and said, Your friend Lazarus is, is, is sick. They'd seen Jesus heal people, so of course they don't doubt for a minute. They're, they're friends. Their friend is, is going to come. But unfortunately, I believe the text doesn't tell us this, that messenger went back. And obviously had enough time to say message delivered. And I believe that Martha and Mary, maybe even Lazarus, were were waiting on Jesus. Now before I get to what I think of as the main point of my message today, I want to give you three things real quickly that are what I would call observations. I, I found these... When, when I soap through scripture or when I'm, when I'm listening to somebody else's teaching on scripture I make notes and I put them in my Bible app and I, I, so I keep all that stuff so I've got these notes on, on John 11 and I don't know where all of them come from but uh, there are three things that really struck me as I went back and, and read that were, that were in my notes and, and, and here's the first one just three observations about what Kathy read earlier you can be a close friend with Jesus and still have to wait on him you can be a really close friend of Jesus and still ha- have to wait on him. See, if you read John 11, one of the things you're going to discover real quickly is that Jesus intentionally delayed. Now you think because he was their friend, he'd do what? He'd hurry up. He'd, he'd, he'd get a move on. But Jesus Jesus takes his time. He slows down. He, he just, he, he's, he doesn't get in a hurry. Maybe, maybe that's a lesson for those of us who have a spouse who's not in a hurry. Maybe, maybe they're just being like Jesus. Maybe we need to give that spouse a little extra grace. You know, maybe you got a little frustrated with that. Slower moving spouse coming to church today, you know, and and maybe they were just being like Jesus. I'm just, I'm just saying, we don't know, you know. Never thought of it really as a spiritual practice, but 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 just maybe. But Jesus doesn't get in a hurry. Je- Jesus does, he he waits and he delays. He waits so long that what happens? Lazarus dies, and Jesus is still waiting now the tension I imagine back in Bethany where Lazarus lived I imagine the tension has gotten high but the tension in between just in between the relationship with the disciples and Jesus the tension is building and you know it is getting bad when the disciples are looking at Jesus and saying Jesus we need to go do some ministry man Lazarus is sick and Jesus I don't know if you remember this Jesus, Jesus says something to him he says no he's sleeping We'll get to that in a minute, but here's, here's what I want you to pick up secondly about relationship with Jesus. Jesus' timeline isn't mine. His timeline isn't mine. It's not yours. And he, Jesus is quite comfortable making you wait. Even when the, the disciples are, are urging him, being anxious about that, Jesus is just comfortable, he's relaxed, he's content, and he's content to make you wait. And so this discussion breaks out, they're questioning Jesus, and Jesus says, Lazarus is sleeping. And the disciples, you know what they do? Oh, good, he'll get well. And then Jesus says to them, the Bible says plainly in verse 14 and 15, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad. Does that strike anybody weird? You know, I, I, I would just start wondering, what kind of friend is this? A friend that heard I died and, and he, he's glad. See, the disciples did not yet understand that when you're with somebody who has the power to breathe life into dead things, timelines don't really matter. Which leads me to my third observation here and it's this. What I think is a dead thing may really just be a sleeping thing waiting on Jesus to come and reveal His glory. I, I can look at something and think, oh that's, that's no life left in that thing. And it may just be as Jesus, it may just be sleeping waiting on Jesus to show up and pour his, his life into it. And so what, what I'm saying is don't, don't give up prematurely. D- don't, don't quit on whatever it is that you're facing that you feel like the life is draining out of. It may even look dead. But Jesus wants to reveal his glory. And so Jesus shows up four days late. He just shows up four days late. And I just imagine that Jesus shows up confident. Knowing what he's about to do, knowing that, that he's, he's still on his timeline, he's, he's taking his time. And I, we don't know how, but word gets to Martha that Jesus is is on the outskirts of the city or he's in town. And what does she do? She runs out to Jesus. She goes looking for She's not waiting on him anymore. She goes looking for him. And here's what, I, here's what I want you to do. I want you to feel the frustration in Martha's heart. I want you to feel what's probably anger. Jesus is coming into town. He knows he's about to perform one of the greatest miracles in all of human history. Ever recorded in all of human history. He knows he's coming to raise his friend from the dead. He knows he's coming to bring great glory to God. He knows he's about to show that God has resurrection power. And so he's just moving and he walks into town and is immediately hit with this. In verse 20 it says she's tracking him down. Verse 21 says, "If only you had been here, my brother would not have died." And I believe that's delivered in frustration. Now she starts out with the Lord. She she's she recognizes who she's dealing with. But I think she's angry. Have you ever been so mad that you had an anger fantasy? Boy, if they would just ask me how I'm feeling. Why I'm so mad. You, you played it out in your head, you know. And you want, you, you're hoping that it's the person who's caused you to, I just, I dare them, you know. And maybe you got some time before you're gonna see that person again. Maybe you're in your bathroom practicing in front of the mirror. What facial expressions are you are gonna use? And you don't realize that you're having your fantasy out loud, and one of your kims come upstairs, and you know you're in front of the mirror, and they say, "Daddy, who are you talking to?" I believe that Martha had prepared her line because that it was cutting, it was blaming Jesus. Jesus, if you had done what you were supposed to on my timeline, my brother would not have died. I mean she went for the jugular with Jesus and her words bear frustration and fear and anger Don't raise your hand You ever been frustrated with God? Ever felt hurt by God? Ever ever maybe been a, a little bit angry with God? you know I, I know we're in church I'm not supposed to say that Jesus is looking for you to be real with him he wants to know what's going on inside you Jesus, Jesus handled Martha he handled her frustration he, he handled her, her, her anger but have you ever God's will gets revealed through the circumstances of your life and wasn't what you hoped for and you get frustrated like Diane Goodwin Was not expecting that this man that she loved would leave as early as he did. And so she's, she's hurt. And there's pain. And some of you have had pain and tragedy in your life. And if you're honest in those moments, you would tell us that you have looked up to heaven and said to God, Where were you? What are you, what are you doing? Why, why God? How could you let something like that happen to my child? How could you let something like that happen to my family? God, where where, where are you? What are you doing? God, I I got into this marriage, I was in it for life and now I'm in divorce court. God, I didn't sign up for this. I I believe Martha was was there, frustrated and fearful and, and a bit angry and there's this tension. And friends, here's the truth. If, if you walk with God, if you walk with God and you walk with him closely enough that you want to see him raise up dead things in you, there's going to be tension. It's going to, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be frustrating at times. Your faith is going to, to be weak. At times, And maybe, maybe your faith is weak at times because the outcome is not what you thought it should have been. Maybe your faith is weak at times because you have a timeline in mind and Jesus isn't running by your timeline. You think he should have showed up by now, but he shows up four days late. And there's something about four days in your mind that thinks he's disqualified now. I mean, it was in Martha's mind. She had the, at least a four-day limit on what Jesus could do on when when his with his timeline you know just just she, she couldn't see that he he was able now there was this polite exchange you go back and you read verses 22 through 26 and there's this interesting exchange where Martha's saying what she thinks and what she and, and Jesus is seeing through it Jesus knows that what she's doing is she's using some really good churchy words She's using all the right spiritual cliche. She's just spitting out there about she knows this and, and she knows that. And Jesus basically says, no you don't. No, no you don't. Martha I'm the resurrection. Martha I, I, I am life itself. I have the power to raise up today. But she's just spitting all these, these things out. Friends please. Please 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 don't don't lock your don't lock god into your timelines don't don't lock him into the timeline that you have in which you're giving him a deadline with which to do something because here's what happens it will erode your faith martha's faith had been eroded because of her timeline some of you you may have a timeline on your career I talked to one brother in between services who was telling me that God just broke through in his career. But he, he said, he said, he's, I was about to give up. I was just about to give up. And God gave breakthrough. D- don't give up. Some of you, some of you thought your finances were going to be further along than they are today. You thought you would be living differently by now. You had this timeline of this numeric value placed on God, and right now you don't think God, God can manage this. He is still able to meet your needs. No matter what your faith. God is still on, on his throne. See, the reason Martha's anger came, the reason Martha's frustration came, the reason her faith waffled was because she had given Jesus a timeline different than Jesus. I could see Jesus thinking, honey, I could show up on the 10th day or the 110th day and breathe life back into your brother. Four days don't mean anything to me. I have, I have resurrection power. He, he's still able And it just makes you wonder, you know, how does Jesus, what does he do when he looks at our lives and we're thinking, you know, it's too late. You think that season's over. You feel like the time has passed. Well, here's what I think Jesus wants you to know today. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8, there's some good news. Jesus is the same. He never changes. He's the same what? Yesterday today forever his resurrection power is not clamped down to a certain day or a certain time frame he's still able to do it and see what Martha's problem was is she had somehow come to think that Jesus was just kind of showing up now to be her friend to mourn with her I, I hope and pray that you look at Jesus as your friend Jesus wants to be your friend. It's good that you see Jesus as your friend. But there's a lot of people who all they see is Jesus as their friend. If you don't see Jesus as your friend. And your savior. And your deliverer. And your king. When troubles come. When things feel like they're dying in you. You're going to miss something that he wants to do. Because he wants to do something incredible. Incredible. And so, if you're here today and your problem is you're just seeing, you know, Jesus is your friend. That you think he's just kind of checking you out, you know, from time to time. You need to know that God wants to do more in you. He he had more planned for Martha and Mary and Lazarus and that village. He had more planned than their timeline or their expectations, you know, had. She didn't see the more that was to come. And so she lived in the anger of her timeline. Friends, don't let let your disposition about certain things cause you to miss the blessing and favor of God. Don't give up too soon because he's he's come to do things in your life now. He's come to move. He's come to speak. He's got more for you. He's got more than what you can understand. And... Some of you know already when we started talking about dead spaces and places in your life, the Holy Spirit spoke to you already. And you're starting to get a little anxious because you're thinking he's wanting to to get in there and, and, and meddle. And you've got to be ready for the more that God wants to do. But they missed it. Martha missed it. Mary missed it. The villagers that were there mourning missed it. Jesus, Jesus picked up on their frustration and their anger. Look at this in verse 33 and following. When Jesus saw her weeping. He was speaking to Mary this time. And saw the other people wailing with her. What happened? A deep anger welled up within him. And he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him? He asked them. Now some translations say that Jesus was moved and troubled. The language there really means that Jesus there was something welling up of anger. In Jesus' life. And so he asked the question. Where is he? Where, where, where is he? And here's what I think Jesus is saying. Where did your hope die? Where, where, did you, where did you stop believing in me? Where did you start thinking that I couldn't do it? Where did your hope get buried? If we're going to see... If we're going to see Jesus breathe life into dead places in our lives, He's always going to take us back to that place where we lost our hope. He's always going to take us back to that place where our faith began to crumble and fail. He's always going to take us back to those dead places. And that's why He asks, where have you laid Him? And see, Jesus wants to ask you that same question. And and did you notice that's when Jesus started weeping. Jesus started weeping when he gets back to that place where their hope had died. Where their trust in him, where their belief, where their their faith. And and I don't know about you but one of the questions I've had when I've studied that passage is Jesus why did you weep? Well there could be lots of reasons. You know he knew what he was about to do. He was God Almighty, coming with power from on high. But not only was He God Almighty, He's Father God, and he's, He He steps down into our lives where we're weeping, and He's Father and He's God Almighty enough to bring resurrection power. But He's also Daddy enough to weep when His children are weeping, to be there to to, to be there with us. So Martha's experienced that. Mary's experienced that. They're experiencing the compassion. But they're not seeing, I don't think, initially the trouble in Jesus. His heart's troubled. There's anger building in him. And again, I think it's because of the lack of faith that they had. Because Jesus, these were his friends. Jesus had a good track record with them. They had seen what Jesus was capable of. Jesus had not let them down. That they had, they had seen Jesus heal people. They had seen Jesus heal people that he never met. Just spoke healing into people's lives. They, they had seen there. And I think he weeps and he's troubled because they've given up hoping in him. You know, we, we often talk about our feelings about being let down. Jesus is determined to do something in the dead places in all of our lives. And he's waiting on us to, to not give up hope. He's waiting to take us back. Jesus is saying, Martha and Mary, I've been, I've been good to you. I've, I've healed. I've delivered. I've blessed. And if I did it one time, guess what? I'll do it again. This, is, this isn't the last chance. But you you got to believe. you got, you got to know that. And so here, here are the three points that I want you to walk away with today. It, in, order, in order to, to believe, you've got you've to have participating belief. You've got you to choose to fully participate in what Jesus is doing to breathe new life in you. There, Jesus is going to do what Jesus does, but he's calling us to fully participate. And the way that you prove... That you believe he is able is you will fully participate. In verse 39, Jesus says, roll back the stone. Now, it's a, the entrance of a cave. It, it's a big, huge, massive stone. It's not like a little stone you get in your sandal at the beach. Okay, it's a huge boulder. It took, it took a group of men to get that thing in place. Probably some of Lazarus' cousins. And I just kind of imagined... I just kind of imagined they were probably there that day, you know. And when Jesus said, roll the stone away, you you could, just because I know how men are. They're thinking, aww. Especially if they had been there when Jesus and Martha were having that exchange about what Jesus was coming to do to raise, raise Lazarus. You could see those men over there now being being whiny men like we are sometimes. You know, I hurt my back, you should have lifted more, You, you know. That, you could just see that exchange going on, and and Jesus says, "Roll the stone away," and you could probably hear one of them mumble and saying, "Well, if you got power to raise him from the dead, why don't you just move the stone?" I mean, isn't that a legitimate question? But Jesus doesn't. And if you if you study Jesus's life much, you'll notice Jesus almost always. Answers a question with a question. So I'm just again imagining this. If if you know that had taken place and, and they'd have said to Jesus, Jesus, why don't you take care of the stone? I, I could see Jesus say, Okay, let me get this right. You want to change jobs? I'll roll the stone away, but you got to raise him from the dead. You want to change jobs with me? And you know that they're going to say no, but. Here's the deal with Jesus. Jesus wants us to fully participate in in what's going on. Jesus knows that in order for us to be in, we've got to fully participate. And in our lives, if we want to see life coming into places in us that are dead, you and I have to hear Jesus say to us, remove the stones from your heart that you put in place. It's the first thing I want you to be captured by. When, when Jesus is coming to breathe life into a place that's dead in your life. He's going to look at you and say remove the stone. Now, he's going to empower you. He's going to strengthen you to do that. But Jesus is waiting on you to uncover those death places that you've covered over. So he, can, he wants you to participate. Showing that you're open to what he's doing. You know for Jesus raising Lazarus was nothing. He could have raised Lazarus with the stone in place. You know, could you just imagine him raising Lazarus and Lazarus in there, hey, somebody get this rock. But Jesus was waiting on people to engage, to participate with him so that this power would be be released. See, God is saying, I can bring new life. Into places in, in you that are dead. But you got to do your part. I'm always going to do my part Jesus says. But you got to be willing to do your part. Now some of you may be asking. Okay where are the stones? How do I know where the stones are in my life? How, how will I recognize where, where these spaces are? Usually these are the places where you're believing God the least where you're believing God the least. The, the place in, in your life where you, you have no more expectation. Your hope of changes is, is, is gone. Th- this is a place where there's distance, where there's coldness towards God. It's where you believe God the least. Now, here's, here's what I've discovered in my own life. Usually where I, where I believe God the least, where, where my faith is little, My flesh is a lot. Where where my faith is little, my flesh usually is raising up, trying to take care of what I perceive as a lack from God. And so one of the ways that you can tell where there's dead stuff going on in you is where is it that you're trying your hardest, that your flesh is, is just kind of raising up because that's the area Jesus wants to come to. That's the area the Holy Spirit's going to come and say, push back that stone. If, for instance, you you have kind of given up on intimacy and connection, you know, in your heart and soul. You know, and, and you don't believe that God is ever going to provide that for you, so you've decided to compensate in your flesh with something like pornography, which always leaves you wanting more. Instead of trusting God for His presence, for His deliverance, for His provision, you've decided in your flesh, I'm going to satisfy myself. So your flesh gets large while your faith gets little. Maybe it's with your kids. I watch parents a lot. Not being able to entrust God with their kids. It's where their faith is, is, is the least. And they're not doing it maliciously, but what starts to happen is, is they, they, they put it under the title of being a good mom or a good dad. And really what you're becoming for your kid is a bad God. Because sometimes when you should be removing yourself from their lives a little bit and letting God grow and fill in spaces that only God can fill, you're pushing in more. And one day, they're going to go off to college. And they're not going to call you. Unless something breaks or they need money. And your identity. That is wrapped up in being that mom or that dad, that parent. Your identity is so wrapped up in that instead of having been wrapped up in God. And letting God be God for them. That you're, you're not going to have an identity anymore. And God wants to breathe into those places. And let, he, he wants to be God for your kids. So wherever it is that your, your, your faith is little. Or your flesh is a lot. That may be that place where the Holy Spirit says, you got to roll that stone back because I want to breathe life in there for you. I want to do something in your life right now. So Jesus says, remove the stone. Let me bring life into your intimacy. Let me bring life in, in, into that place where you're overcompensating. Let Surrender and step into faith and let me, let me revitalize your faith. And please hear this. This does not happen in easy places. We're not talking about having to, you know, the, the, these are going to be kind of simple, you know. You, you might be here today and you've got a stone rolled across your heart when it comes to your spouse. And, and you may be, you may be living in the same house, you may be sleeping in the same bed, but you've got a stone up. And Jesus wants you to move that stone so he can breathe new life into your marriage. But, but you got to participate. Jesus says, I can breathe life into it. But you got to work with me here. we got to move the stones. Turn to somebody close to you and just say, move your stone. Move your stone. Move your stone. We, we have to move those stones. They're not going to be in easy places. This is really the second point, and it's this. I've got to fully participate with Jesus, and I do it when I obey His every word, even when it's hard. Here's another way to know for sure it's a hard place that Jesus wants to bring life in. In verse 39, where Jesus says, Roll the stone away, move it. What does Martha say? Remember what Martha's response is? It's going to be an odor. Don't you love the King James Version up there? He stinketh. <laughs> can, can't you see Jesus looking at Martha? She's just gone through that whole talk about, yeah, I know you got, you the resurrection. And a, yeah. And Jesus just looks at her and says, Move stone, and she says, There's going to be an odor. Now, I don't know how Jesus speaks to you, but I could just see Jesus telling me, Joe, then you go get some potpourri and spray that stuff boy because we're about to do something. (laughs) See, when Jesus, when Jesus comes to those places, they're going to be hard places. And they're going to be places in your life that are going to be painful. And there's going to be a stench of brokenness. There's going to be a smell of fear. There's going to be sorrow. There are going to be, these are the places that are going to be hard. And you're not going to want to crack that open. You're not going to want to roll that stone back because you know it's going to stir something up that you don't want stirred up. And and it's it's going to smell. And there are places in our hearts that are marked with the stench of shame and the stench of guilt. And Jesus is saying, I want to breathe life into that. But you got to roll that stone away no matter, no matter what it smells like. Those are the places where Jesus wants to work in, in, in those areas. I've been walking with the Lord now since 1978 is when I trusted him. And there are still places where Jesus comes to me and pushes me in places that are hard, places I don't want to roll back stones it's not always gonna be easy when you hear some, when you have a conversation with somebody and they say something like this yeah the Holy Spirit just challenged me this morning I guarantee you the Holy Spirit didn't just challenge them if they're acting like that because when the Holy Spirit challenges you in one of these places you don't want nobody to know about it, not at first you don't, you don't want it. It's not going to be this joyful moment. Now, as you grow in Christ, you begin to understand that if He's doing it, there's something good coming. But you still wish there was another way. Because He's, he's got to expose those places that stink to pour new life, new refreshing life in you. And it's going to be hard. But you've got to fully participate. You've got to trust him in those hard places. See, the Bible says the Holy Spirit, you're not going to have to do this by yourself. The Holy Spirit is going to come along beside you. You know, in, in the scripture, in the, in the, in the original language, the, the word for Holy Spirit is paraclete. Often gets translated paraclete. He's the one that comes alongside of you. Now, some of you have maybe studied about the Holy Spirit and you understand the paraclete. But a lot of people don't understand paraclete. So let me see if I can help you. How many of you know what a paratrooper is? Paratrooper. What does a paratrooper do? Paratrooper drops into hot spots. Places where people are desperate for help. They need somebody to come in and rescue them. And get them out of this hot spot that they're in. You might not understand paraclete, but you get paratrooper. Holy Spirit's a paratrooper. How many of you have ever known or have ever had to call a paramedic? paramedic aren't you grateful for paramedics you might not understand paraclete but you get paramedic these are people who come in when you can't get yourself up people who come in and and will rescue you and bring healing into your life and get you to that place where you can find healing and relief and protection the Holy Spirit is like that Holy Spirit's a little bit like a parachute you know what a parachute is right It's one of those things people put on just before they jump out of a perfectly good plane. (laughs) Don't know why they do that. But what does the parachute keep you from doing? Falling rapidly. It slows your descent. Holy Spirit does that for you. He slows your descent. He protects you from falling. He keeps you lifted up. So when you're facing these difficult places and spaces, the Holy Spirit who comes alongside you is coming along to do all of this for you. Jesus said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to be with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. In John chapter 14, Jesus tells us something else very, very important about the Holy Spirit, the paraclete. He says, the Holy Spirit, he will help you. He will always be with you. He will show you what is true. He's going to show you what is true and that leads me to my third point and it's this. In order to fully participate with Jesus, I need to recall and act on what Jesus has already said to me. I need to recall and be ready to act on what Jesus has already said to me. When Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead, he had already told Martha what he was going to do. She didn't hear him. She didn't recall that conversation. She didn't know as they were going to the tomb what was going on. Remember the Bible says Mary was weeping and everybody else was wailing. Martha was one of those wailers, I believe. She forgot. See, when Jesus speaks to you, if you're in a worship service like this, somebody reads scripture, Somebody prays a prayer, there's a lyric to a song that the Holy Spirit just does something. Jesus imprints something in you. You need to be able to recall that. You need to record it, put it in your phone, write it on a piece of paper. You need to be able to bring that back up. Here, here's what Jesus said uh, over in Matthew chapter 13. In, in Matthew chapter 13, Jesus said, There are going to be these moments when the kingdom news comes to your life. Something of the kingdom of God. Here's what the enemy's going to come and do. He's going to try to snatch it away. Jesus, the Holy Spirit, they're going to try to show you what's true, show you what is true. The evil one is going to come and try to snatch that away. You need to be able to recall and act on, if you want to thoroughly participate, recall and act on all that Jesus has already said to you. Are you going to miss so much of what he wants to do? And he wants you to see it. He's still going to do it, but he wants, he wants you to have hope in it. Now, Here's what I am not. I am not prescribing to you. I'm not lobbying that you become naive. I'm not lobbying that you quit facing the facts in your life. But I'm lobbying that you have to know the difference between facts and truth. The Holy Spirit's leading us to what? truth you can figure out the facts already by yourself but the Holy Spirit is gonna gonna move you into what's true and some of you have, have been sitting there kind of arguing with me already saying Joe you don't know what I'm facing you don't know what these dead spots look like in me you don't know how horrible it's gonna be I, I don't know your facts but Jesus does but the question is do you know his truth see the Holy Spirit is gonna parry you all over the place But part of what he wants to bring to you is the truth of God for the facts you face. He he wants you to be captured by that. And so you've got to know the difference between facts and truth. In John chapter 8, did Jesus say, you will know the facts and the facts will set you free? That is not what he said. He said, you'll know the truth. The truth that the Holy Spirit is coming to bring into your life. See, here's the deal. Facts were, Mary and Martha had seen Lazarus draw his last breath. They saw his body wrapped. They probably participated in that. They saw him put in that tomb. They saw the stone rolled over it. That was the fact. The truth was, their close friend was the resurrection and the life. I don't know what fact you're facing, but you've got to know the difference between facts and the truth. You may have walked into this building this morning discouraged and overwhelmed and be thinking, I, I can't go on, what I'm facing is too great, the enemy is too great against me. And you need, that's the facts, but you need to know that the truth in Isaiah 54 that says there is no weapon that's going to be formed against you that will prosper. No weapon. you got to know, you've got to know the truth with the facts you're facing you, you got to know that. You, you, may, you may have shown up this morning. You felt like the enemy has a target on your back. That he's trying to take you out. That he's aiming at you. But you, you've got to know the truth of 1 John 4. That greater is he that is in you than the one that's in the world coming after you. you you got to know that fact. I mean that truth. It, it, it might be a fact that you spent all last night in tears over something weeping over a wayward child weeping over your marriage weeping over your I don't know what you were weeping on you that may be the facts that you faced last night but but here's the truth Psalms 30 tells us that weeping may endure for a night but what happens joy comes joy comes joy always comes for those who are in with Jesus Because he's wanting to breathe that life in you. Now, I don't know what your facts are, but here's the truth I do know. You, if you're in Christ, have a great big God. And he loves you intently and deeply. And he has wonderful plans for you. And he wants to breathe New resurrection life in those places in you that are dead. Those places that you've rolled stones over. Those places that are going to stink when you pull it away. But Jesus wants to breathe life in you. Will you let him? To let him, it means you're going to have to fully participate. You're going to have to roll some stones away. You're going to have to be willing to do whatever he says and step into whatever smells bad. You've got to obey his every word. And then you need to start recalling what he has already told you and act on it. So that you can see new life coming in dead places. That's what Jesus wants to do in the lives of all of his children. Let's pray. Jesus we come to this moment in this time believing as we we sang earlier that you came that you are a God who comes to his children God your word tells us that you left the glory of heaven that you didn't count equality with God something to be grasped but that you emptied yourself and you came and you lived sacrificially You poured yourself out for us. You're the God who comes. You're the God who comes to those places that we've pushed a stone over. You're the God who comes there. Those places where we have stopped believing. Those places where our hope has dried up. And there's just dead things there. Jesus reminds us that what we think is dead... It's just sleeping with you and your power to raise it back up. So God, I I just pray for myself and my friends in this room right now. I pray, Jesus, that we would do what you called us to. We'd roll those stones back, even in those, those difficult places. We'd obey your word to do that. When you call us, we'd step into that. Maybe you're here today and for the very, very first time you came to realize when we started talking about Jesus setting his face to go to Jerusalem to die on a cross for your sins and mine for the whole world to pay a price that we could not pay that he took on all the wrath of God and on the cross won a great victory over sin three days later got up out of a grave conquering death beating death and sin victory and Jesus says that can be yours for all eternity but even in the here and now because he's that, he's that kind of God. That kind of savior who saves you from yourself even now. And if you want that you call on his name. You come to him repentant saying Jesus I'm trusting you with my life. My whole life that is wrapped in death right now. I need, I need you to breathe resurrection in me Jesus. And Jesus says he'll do that. He'll come into your life. He'll restore you. He'll give you a new life. He'll be a new creation in Christ. And all you've got to do is call on his name with a heart of repentance. Trusting that he's going to do what he said. Trusting that he has come to you right now. You can give him your life. Most of us though have made that decision. And we just need to recommit ourselves afresh to letting Jesus Come up to that place in our lives where our flesh is large and our faith is little. And he's already showed you where that place is today, I believe. And you just gotta take that to Jesus and say, Jesus, strengthen my faith. I'm rolling a stone back. I want you in here, Jesus. I want you breathing something new right here, Jesus. And he's promised that he would. Lord, we come now recommitting ourselves afresh to your resurrection power trusting you to raise dead things in us we come now we come now to praise your name because we believe that's who you are we're going to praise your name jesus as a as a way of participating showing you that we trust you again with our lives even those dark spaces those dead spaces come lord jesus we praise your name now it's in your name we pray amen Thanks for listening. If you're in North Charleston this Sunday please consider visiting us at our 9 o'clock or 11:30 services. We'd love to see you. Again for more information visit Riverbluff.org. Now go change the world.